When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, I'm Amber. And I'm Jessie. And this is Glowing in Tech. Powered by Coding Black Females. So today we have the wonderful Jessica Craig with us. She is a developer advocate at Launch Darkly. Jessica, would you like to tell us a little bit about yourself? Hello. Hi. Um, okay, so um, yeah, I'm a developer advocate at Launch Darkly and that's the show. Uh, so, um, yeah, um, I uh, I love learning. Um, uh, I love um, like building proof of concepts. Um uh, writing and talking about why not every problem is a tech problem and not every problem can be solved with tech. Mm, that's yeah. very cool. You also do a lot of stuff outside of Launch Darkly with conferences. Do you want to tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, I'm a massive fan of tech meetups. So like I started getting into tech like through tech meetups. Um, that's kind of like what kind of like where I found my passion. Um, so um, uh, I'm working one at the moment called DevSecOps London Gathering, which is a really fun. Um, it's like a really fun space where we like invite speakers, um, do like book giveaways and and learn about new like areas in security and, and DevSecOps. And then uh, I'm also working on, I joined the team on uh, DevOps, DevOps Days London. And we've just finalised the agenda for this Ooh, year. It's going to oh, be really awesome. cool. It's going to be in like the Oval Cricket Grounds. Okay. Yeah, it's we're coming. When's that? Yeah. When's that? <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, September 29th, I think. I'll send you. Yeah. yeah, amazing, oh. amazing. So, what was your journey into tech like, and what was it that got you kind of interested in in working in tech? Yeah, um, my tech journey was. Um, uh, it was. I mean, it was like it, it kind of transitioned from like a hobby into okay, I can actually do this. You can, of course. And I don't know whether you had this realisation, but like, I just found it like fascinating that you were just like, sorry, I get paid to solve puzzles every day. Yeah. <laughs> so this is really fun. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, um, I uh, started working with, um, so I, I studied English at uni. Um, uh, I really wanted to be a freelance journalist, but money exists. And that's it's a requirement. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so other plans had to be made. Um, and then I started working like on the sort of like other side of the equation, which is kind of, you know, like in marketing communications mm-hmm. and public relations and stuff with some agencies. And bit by bit, I started working with tech companies. Um, and I had this like really like fun experience where I just felt like I'd found like my people a little bit and that was so that just like felt so affirming after some like just trying to find somewhere that I I felt like could fit in for a while Mm -hmm. um and a lot of people were just so like enthusiastic about their ideas and just um very welcoming I think I was just really lucky that I started the first kind of meetups that I went to were like code bar and those kind of like deliberately inclusive ones which is really nice and that was like such a good introduction um and I just started playing around with Code Academy. Um, I tried to get into Makers a couple of times um, and I got and I, I, I got in and oh, then they were nice. like, and that will be £8,000. And I was like, oh. oh. But they've done some, they do some really great schemes now. Yeah, they've got an apprenticeship programme yeah. um, that allows, like you don't necessarily have to pay for the bootcamp. They actually yeah. pay you while they train you, which is something really cool. It's amazing. Yeah. Um, and all of the Makers grads I've met are like so good because like they teach them TDD. 
Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. Can you tell us what TDD is or just, yeah. Yeah, yeah of course, yeah, test-driven development. So um, the idea is that you write your tests first, which is usually like the bane of everyone's lives. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so then your tests have to pass and you have to like, you end up designing around the sort of, you, you end up like creating um, uh, code that like really fits the spec of like what mm-hmm. you need. It feels quite Is is that your experience? Yeah, definitely. I think I love test-driven development because it means you're you're getting like the little the little the progress you're making is visual. Especially when you're in back end, we don't have that as much as front end people do. Mm -hmm. You get to write the test, see that it fails, and then create the logic that then makes the test pass. So you've got like quick, easy confirmation that the thing you just wrote actually works. Um, And it can also be really helpful for trying to think through the logic as well. If you're building the test, you're like, okay, so if I need my thing to do this, it it can just really help with that thought process of how you're going to, how you're going to build the actual logic in the end. So I love test-driven development. It's not always the way that I think, but it can be a really helpful way to start with a task that I'm not quite sure how I'm going to how I'm going to build yeah yeah it forces you to kind of break it down into it's like composite exactly 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 so you got a place on makers like can't pay for this yeah what were your next steps after that so um I decided to keep learning um I was um decided uh I spoke to more and more developers and I realised, okay, there are a lot of people that are self-taught out there. Like, it's not like a one path. You don't just have to do like degree or boot camp. You can just learn. And hopefully if you've got like the right community around you or the right like people around you to kind of like fill you in on where you've got some gaps, Mm -hmm. then you can kind of keep keep going. So um, I started learning JavaScript and Python because they're super well-known and well-used and... Like a nice like little Python fits really well like after Ruby because they're both like super interpretable, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I made myself quit my job because I was like, if I don't do it, you know, if you, if you've always got like, if you've always got something to fall back on, you'll fall back on it. Yeah. And I needed to like push myself. And I think I watched this like thing from Michaela Cole where she was talking about like how she made herself quit her job to be able to like follow. No way. I haven't seen that. That's really cool. It's so cool. Um, So yeah, I decided to do that and that was really scary and just freelanced and just did whatever I could to just, you know, just keep things like keep income happening. Mm -hmm. And then about like four or five months in, um, I got my first role in, product um as a solutions engineer and I did that like for a year and a half um and that was really good and that was a a great um pathway into tech because it meant that my experience being like in like client like managing client relations like from like agency days became like super useful can you give us an insight into what a solutions engineer even is? Yeah, of course. Yeah. Um, solutions engineer. I mean, I think like all engineering titles means like a different thing at different companies. But in the um, most of the time, I find that it's um, you are the um, depending whether or not you are pre-sales or post-sales, you're like the technical, um, you're the person in charge like responsible for creating a technical technically sound solution so Mm -hmm. that can be like building a proof of concept like sketching out architectural diagrams proving that something can work and that what the the solution that you're selling someone can stand up to their requirements and can like do the job that they need to do Mm -hmm. and then you can step away so you're like responsible for like the technical win 
Yeah. Yeah. And I think the way I see it as well is like, you're often the intermediary between the client and like trying to translate what their requirements are into the thing that is then handed over to a team of engineers to then build the full. So you've got the proof of concept and then they take it to like a full scale, like the final version. Um, And I think that's a really nice way for someone who is non-traditional, non-traditional to be able to move with their soft skills and their communication skills and their presentation skills and then be able to move. Yeah. Slowly transition into that more technical role yeah and combining that with like the technical understanding of the products yeah, right? yeah to exactly to communicate the value and um to essentially sell that to your clients right yeah yeah mm. for sure and then you end up um getting exposed to so many usually if like depending on your product you get exposed to so many different like problems um and you get on like so many different like troubleshooting calls it's a really good way to just uh learn a lot about like a little bit about a lot mm-hmm. yes you know? yeah um, i like that that's an important thing when you're early on as well, because how do you figure out what you like? <laughs> oh my goodness. Okay, this is a whole thing. Because a lot of people say, how do I get into tech, right? Mm. And it's like, that's what is tech to you? Mm. There's so many different roles available. Um, what really interests you? And I used to hate when people used to ask me that when I was like, I don't know what to do. What interests you? Well, I don't know. Because I've not done any of it yet. I've not done any of it yet. And it's like, it's like I wanted like little internships <laughs> of everything, but being able to quit something tomorrow. I know that if I spent two weeks doing back end, darlings, I'm not sure. I'm not sure if I'd make it. <laughs> no offense to you, Jesse. Offense taken. Oh. <laughs> and that's the end of the show, people. <laughs> Good run. Yeah. But it, it's so hard to find your interest, right? Because yeah. it's one thing for me to create like a HTML, CSS, like JavaScript website alone, but it's a complete different ball game being in the company, contributing to the code base and what kind of products am I working on? What kind of people am I working with? Mm-hmm. And it's like, I feel like I love front end, right? But there may, there may be another role that I don't even know exists that I would love even more yeah. and be even better at. Yeah. This is the thing. So many of the roles like didn't exist a while ago. I know. Like the role I'm doing now, it didn't exist before. And it's like, you can only, you know, you can't be what you can't see. So yeah. you've got a, you gotta, you gotta see it, but um, I think that's why like so many more places are doing like nomading. Like my work just started it. Wait, wait, what is this? What is this nomading? Thing? <laughs> heard... You're sold already. <laughs> I'm sold. <laughs> like what is this? <laughs> 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 <Sing. laughs> um, so it's where you do like a uh, like a like a little secondment in a different squad, like a temporary like little stint in like a different squad. Uh, so like um, my colleague Isabel, who is. Um, she is doing a stint in the platform squad in the DevOps team um, and she's moving from integrations over to the, to the DevOps team. So now she gets to play, or not play, but, but like fulfill the DevOps role in like a safer setting while yeah. watching all the other DevOps people do yeah. their job. That's really And cool. they learn from her, she learns from them. Oh, wow. That is amazing. It's so good, isn't it? Wait, so how does that work? So does she do that for a set period of time? Is it like a once a month kind of deal? Like, how's that? actually work yeah it's a set period of time it's like a like a temporary thing um and then if you know if if that if if the fit if it fits pretty well then then maybe that's like a different conversation that you have with your your lead but it's really good that you can kind of have that that flexibility yeah Yeah. exactly yeah no no no. I'm a big fan of hopping around jobs and in the same company Jesse. what you (laughs) I would never, I would never. Listen, I just, 
<laughs> I just think it provides that safe environment. Like if if a company already knows that you can perform well in the role you're doing, yeah. they're way more likely to sponsor you and moving across. And so I think that having that safety of like, I can try this thing out and not necessarily be that good at it, but they know I'm good at what I do yeah, here. Exactly. So like I've got that. Um, that yeah. safe kind of backup to rely mm-hmm. on like mm-hmm. I've got a reputation here yeah <laughs> like, which so comes with it. its own scary bits because like now I don't want to fail at this new thing but that's that's a, that's a different thing that's a whole thing but can you please give the people some context into like what you mean by yeah so I started at CyberSafe in um, marketing I did that for a, just under a year I think and then I did customer success for a year and a half and then I've been an engineer for over a year now so got to see different areas of the business yeah. and seen it scale but also had the opportunity to move around when I've when, well, I've put in work to do it, but I've had I've that had part. <laughs> I've had the support and the trust from the organisation yeah, to be like, amazing. yeah, we think you can do it, and we'll we'll do what we can to help you. So, so when I say Jesse has amassed so many skills, <laughs> so many skills, it's iconic. Yeah. So how did you go from being a solutions engineer to now being a developer advocate? And can you tell us more about developer advocacy and what that means at your company? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, of course. I mean, I think it's a yeah, it's a similar thing. Like um I uh I Oh, oh, this was like so funny like saying this um that I, I didn't and like I ne- it never really occurred to me that it was a job I just remember seeing all of these people in my company going around building cool things writing blogs about them and then getting to do talks about them I was just mm. like that's when like what they were like what do you actually do in your like yeah <laughs> that can't be the whole job and that's like a lot of it which is really good um uh but uh I had a colleague in my old um job say to me like when are you gonna admit that you don't actually like what you're doing (laughs) I was like uh not today (laughs) and and how how was that obvious to them was it just that you were you were doing so many things outside of it or like what what was it that that for them made it obvious that you were enjoying other things and not necessarily the the role you were in I think I had like a bit of a curiosity about um about Devrel and um I got the chance to be involved in the like company's conference signal um and like run like a workshop there and I was just so excited about it. oh I love that that's so cool so I was just the fun yeah is that, is that like what happened when you were kind of yeah like, yeah but I think I think I was working with engineering loads as a customer success person trying to investigate bugs and and kind of got an insight into how they worked and yeah and then when once I had the opportunity to like actually give it a little bit of a go it was like yeah this is this is 100% what I wanted to do yeah so I didn't realise, were you a solutions engineer at Launch Darkly and moved internally? No, I was a solutions engineer um, at uh, Twilio and then mm-hmm. I moved over to Launch Darkly. Um, yeah, I wasn't really sure like whether or not, I just knew that I wanted to do talks. I think yeah. I just saw people doing talks and I just thought, that's so cool. I really want to be able to do that. So I started with articles and I started like writing um, and pitching some articles um, uh, sort of writing like tutorials. And I think like DevRel is one of those jobs that, you can do it before you get the job. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So I started to try to like do it before I had the job before, cause I was just kind of thinking like, Oh, I don't want to go in. Like maybe, maybe I should, um, uh, look for like a, like an engineering apprenticeship or like, I don't know. I was just like trying to figure out like, like what would be a good fit. Um, and I think I just ended up doing the job in like a freelance, like contracting capacity. And then I found the role at Launch Darkly and, um, it involves a lot of, um, the same sort of I always say to people that like DevRel is almost like solutions engineering but with a different audience interesting and with like a different sort of like it's the same content but like it's presented in a different yeah. way yeah 
because you're like still building like a proof of concept you're proving that something can be done you're doing it maybe in a more sort of like fun like slightly more sort of surface level way um but you do have to kind of have the the yeah the solution like it needs to work yeah Mm -hmm. thing needs to work um (laughs) Yeah. And then uh, you get to, uh, the, my my favourite thing in the job is that you get to work with other people who really want to be speakers and they don't know what they want to talk about, but they know they want to like, they've got a talk in them. Mm. And you get to like go on a call with them and just like, be like, okay, tell me your talk or like, what's your idea? Or just speak at me. Um, and I was doing this this week and you get to like work with them on an abstract, help them submit the abstract, work with them on their talk. Oh, that's super cool. And then yeah. you see them do it and it's like so yeah. And are these people engineers or other developer advocates? Yeah, some of them. One of them's a solutions engineer. One of them is a, a documentation engineer, writer. Um, and she just did this talk at CDCon and she killed it. Oh. Ember, you rule. <laughs> um, yeah, it's, yeah, that's a really exciting part. So can you tell us, more, tell us more about Launch Darkly and what exactly your role entails? Yeah, of course. Um, so Launch Darkly is a feature management platform. Um, we help people to control the software that they build. Um, so a feature flag, um, is, well, feature flags are kind of like what we're most known for and feature yeah. flags are almost like a control point in your code. They almost work like if-else statements. So like if, if the... Um, per the if the user is in this country, serve them this version of the site. Yeah. Um, but that can like that can be changed. Uh, so the if can be changed to like one specific IP address. Yeah. So like if you are accessing the site from this IP address, show me the um like this production version, mm-hmm. and that means that you can kind of deploy your features. It's like decouples the process of deployment from releasing. So you can still have your very like expensive high profile releases, but you can deploy your features into your production environment to really test whether or not they actually work. Um, and like slowly stage over, like um, like slowly canary launch them, stage like a blue green deployment. Yeah, you can do a bunch of really interesting things. And we're a bit pulling together some new products which I'm really like Ooh. actually thinks, yeah I think there's some really good ones so yeah can you reveal them or is it a secret I want to still have my job so I'm <laughs> oh, <okay. laughs> top secret we'll, we'll get the exclusives I'm sure as I'm, soon as we can yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um I want to ask you about what it's like working at a startup so was Twilio quite a large organisation when yeah, you were there? Yeah. And Launch Darkly, I assume, is quite a lot in the earlier stages? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I think Twilio, I can't remember how many people were there when I started. I think it started at 3,000 and I left and there were like 5,000 wow. maybe. Wow. Yeah. Um, and Launch Darkly, I started when they were like 400-ish and I think now we're at like 500-ish. Yeah. Um, but they've got really similar um, like text acts within your day-to-day work like Atlassian kind of tool suite that kind of thing like Confluence mm-hmm. Slack all the all, all the usuals um uh it's but it's really um exciting being part of like being able to build the culture that you want in an organization I, I get the sense that you get to do that with CybeSafe too yeah in a, in a way definitely we've been like part of the team as we've been deciding how teams are going to be built in the future and like I know that yeah now that we're bringing a lot of people on board it's like up to us to be able to feel like we're setting the tone for how new people are joining and how new squads are formed and all that kind of thing which is really cool I know that you have been 
one of the first UK employees in your team. Is that right? Yeah, um, I was, I think there are now like 30, 40 of us in the UK. Mm-hmm. Um, for a while, there's like one other person in marketing, which is kind of why my department sits, like mm-hmm. kind of product yes. marketing, like yeah. between product and marketing. Yeah. Um, and yeah, that's resulted in some late nights, time zones. Yeah, yeah yes. of course. Uh, time zones are a thing. Time zones are definitely a thing. I'll never forget when, um, oh my gosh, when we were at uh, KubeCon a couple weeks ago, um, I got the chance to work, work with like, um, I think like an ecosystem lead or something. He came over and he was like doing like a stop all across like these different European shows and he hit our one. So we got to like hang out with him. And he was like, yeah. Um, yeah, and um, it's so strange. Like when the US logs in on the evening, in the evening, like I just get all these messages, and they just completely forget about your time zone. We're just like, that, that is our life. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it's getting better. And I think now that there are more of us here, we can just be really like intentional about switching off. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which is hard. Yeah, it's really hard. Especially, I love the whole remote first change and all the changes that are coming along with it, and I love the concept of asynchronous meetings and being able to do async communication. But that does also come with a cost of like, now I can receive messages at any time of the day, (laughs) which doesn't necessarily mean I need to look at them or acknowledge them or or respond to them. But like I, I could in theory always be on. And that's a, that's a whole, that's a whole new challenge that didn't exist a couple of years ago. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And it's difficult when like, um, quite bad with, uh, when it comes to work, Setting boundaries. Moderation. Yeah. Yeah. We were talking a lot lot about this, especially when you love what you do. Why would you not do it? Okay. This is what we were literally talking about on the train. (laughs) (laughs) We had all these conversations on the train today, which is quite interesting. Like saying that it's, so we were having a conversation with a few people and one of them said that, you know, you won't necessarily get burnt out if you love what you're doing. Right. And I said that, well, Sometimes when you love what you're doing, it can lead to burnout because you can't set effective boundaries because yeah. I'm having so much fun. I'm having so much fun in this task right now that I haven't moved in five hours. <laughs> I haven't went to the toilet. I haven't eaten anything. I haven't slept a wink last night. <laughs> like, And so it's just like, there's a cost to loving your job as well. And so, yeah, I think that definitely needs to be recognised because sometimes people say, you know, but at least you're having fun. And yeah. I was like... <laughs> That's the problem. That's the problem. <laughs> she died as she lived. Yeah. It's just like setting boundaries can be so challenging, especially yeah. when you come from like, well, for me, an ethnic minority background where I'm, I'm taught that, oh, you need to work twice as hard mm-hmm. to get like half what your like white counterparts can get. And so it's so hard for me to be like, accept the fact that I can work a nine to five, but also have in the back of my head like, oh no, but you need to be putting that extra hour in and you need to shine mm-hmm. so much for people to really recognize you and accept that you are a developer mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and you know what you're talking about. Yeah. Like I had, um, oh, I think I made a tweet about my new job and this guy um, oh, yeah. tweeted me back saying, you oh, you don't look, did you see that? No. No, yeah. I saw it. You don't look like you, yeah. you code. Yeah, you don't look like a developer or you don't look like someone that you can code. And I'm like, on her congratulations oh post. Oh my congratulations. On your congratulations like, post. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I'm so happy I got this new job. And it's like, the thing is, I, was, I wasn't going to acknowledge it. Yeah. Like, I didn't like it. I didn't reply because it riled me up a bit, but you're not going to get a reply from me. I just don't necessarily have the energy. But it sucked. It sucked. And like, some people can really internalise messages like that mm-hmm. and say, 
oh, well, now I do need to work super hard because there's people in the US who will need me, there's people in the UK who will need me. And just to prove that they are really a developer when they may think in the back of their head, people don't take them that seriously. Yeah. Which yeah. sucks. It does. It's like, it's such an easy trap to fall into, isn't it? Because like, if, if in any way you don't think that you're enough... Be, sorry it's so true I love it we're, we're getting real we're getting, we're getting real <laughs> like, if in any way that you don't think that you're enough it's so easy to go to work do something that someone needs you to do you feel like you're helping them and you're worthwhile and you're providing value and then you're and do you yeah, know how that's where you get your validation from yeah. and then oh yeah that's the thing it's yeah. a whole thing <laughs> and then and then you're always overworking because that's who you are like it's so easy for that to become a thing when actually yeah I, I yeah I had this like chat with my colleague recently and we were talking about that about like instilling boundaries and we we're talking about like that feeling of like when will you feel like you don't have to fight anymore mm. you've made you've you're good you've made it you're there What's the answer? Yeah, we I'm need to find out. We need an answer, Jessica. You can't leave. I'm just, I'm just trying to think that. That's that's my new, that's my new fate. Like, like I'm, I'm trying to like reinforce that. I'm trying to remember that. I'm just trying to be like, you will not. Even if you lose your job tomorrow, even if something goes wrong, even if you know, like, like. Google Cloud releases a very, very good version of what we do. Mm-hmm. Or, well, last year Amazon released like a very good. Uh, feature flag system and I was like that's it that's it I'm done yeah that's scary but um that shouldn't take away from who you are and and the value that you can provide and and all yeah yeah because right as a engineer like you're 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 betting on yourself to acquire new knowledge every time Mm -hmm. and that's your skill right yeah Mm. I think so but this is where I think like the power of community is so important because you get to go to spaces where you are recognized you are seen and you can kind of be appreciated and celebrated outside of the value that you bring in your nine to five it's like a a separate separate thing um yeah and I'm always grateful for when I get to go to events and things and speak to people and and get to um help others as well it's yeah it's really rewarding Mm-hmm. Yeah, it helps like bring about the next like group of engineers that are going to come in. Yeah, and hopefully not work too hard. <laughs> this is what we talk about in Charlene's episode. <laughs> <laughs> Cross <laughs> Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that seventy-five percent of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.